Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans or Game of Thrones fans for another special edition of the London is Blue podcast. We've been doing this a couple of times throughout the final season of Game of Thrones, one of the favorite shows of everybody on the podcast, except Brandon Busby. That's right. He is not here. I'm here, Dan, joined by my friends, my good friends, my brothers without banners, Nick and Mike are here with me tonight. Nick, it's over. Initial one word response. How are you feeling? Empty. Oh, okay. Empty. I, that feel, is, I feel empty. That I, is, I love this show. That is a word. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> what's your one word response to how you feel post end of Game of Thrones? If you thought Maurizio Sarri had a bad year. Uh, <laughs> look, look, okay. look, look at the writers yeah, the, the, of Game of Thrones. That's like 20 words. So what's your You're one welcome. word? One word. <sighs> I'm dead inside. Okay, that, Two again, words. More than one. <laughs> <We're> getting closer. <laughs> so math was not your strong suit. I appreciate no, that. No, not everybody just, is gifted in that area. So anyway. Disappointment dis- there. Disappointment. You feel disappointment. Okay. Uh, anyway. We've been doing this a couple times throughout the season. If you're looking for Chelsea episodes, the last episode we did about Boston, we would encourage listening to that. The episodes coming after this, which is a 
Europa League preview with a fellow Arsenal podcast is going to be, I think, really enjoyable for you or anything else that comes after that, potentially after we lift a trophy. We've got a really big season planned, but before we get to that, we want to take a little time to go through the final season of Game of Thrones, talk about how we felt about the season. We're also going to take a look at the you know who lived and who died. We had some predictions there, and then we will briefly talk about the fantasy results because there is some contention there still, and then we'll get you out of here. So let's jump right in. Let's get into it. What did we think about the season as a whole? And the last time we talked, Nick, we had gone through the first three episodes. I think in general, we were feeling pretty good about where we're at, especially after seeing, you know, again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you've not watched through all episodes of the final season of Game of Thrones, you should stop listening right now. And we are going to give you a couple extra seconds because you might be driving your car. You might be taking your kids to school, whatever it might be like stop stop what you're doing also stop clicking on on things called game of thrones <laughs> just in general like i i feel for you especially you know not everyone's able to watch live so i i am i am sympathetic to those who have not been able to watch it yet but but do yourself a favor and just don't click on game of thrrones stuff yeah That's, bad, bad it, idea yeah anyway we have given you a moment of notice we have allowed that transition period to happen. You probably have to leave this episode then so for those who are still listening great congratulations we're here but Nick Last we spoke with the listeners, episode yes. three had finished. The Night yep. King fallen, befallen at the behest of Arya, Arya Stark. Tray of, tray of ice cubes. He, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> more crushed ice than ice cubes. Um, but now we've had episodes four, five, and six. We had the finale of the season. I feel like we should talk about maybe some of the key moments, how we felt about those episodes, and how they kind of led us to the end of Game of Thrones, the television series, again, because the books are still in progress. It might be finished at some point between now and the end of the world due to climate change. <laughs> uh, okay, so The Last of the Starks, episode four. Uh, we'll just go through some of the key moments just to, to do a light refresher. So they had a really emotional funeral. Um, you know, they, they burned a lot of the... The bodies on these huge pyres. Um, John gave an incredible kind of in memoriam speech, and you know people were were crying over their lost friends. And you know there was an especially touching moment, Mike, where Sansa kind of put the direwolf badge on onto Theon, kind of signifying that he was both a Stark and a Greyjoy. That was a great moment. Um, clearly, uh, Danny was upset that that Jorah was was gone, her most trusted advisor. Thoughts and feelings on the funeral. Um, you know, it was maybe one of the last few good scenes in the <laughs> second part of the the series. Um, I think one of my favorite memes from uh, Jorah's uh, funeral was the the cut to the Sandlot where um, was it Squigs is pretending to be drowned. Squints, yeah, <laughs> Squints, yeah, to make out with uh, uh. The, the lifeguard. Um, but yeah, I mean it's. It's tough. You, it's that moment in which you realize that you've you've won the battle, but potentially lost the war. Being that you know the the good guys per se have lost at least fifty percent of their army, which really kind of evens the odds. And you know it's that oh shit, I survived the army of death, and now I I have to march south to go fight. You know not only the Lannisters but the Golden Company. So um, kind of a stark reality for for them. Well, well played. 
Uh, Dan, the feast happens. Okay, so uh, they they have a victory feast. Uh, Tormund makes more jokes um, and and asks and and, a, and I think one of my favorite lines of the entire show: "Who shit in his pants?" Um, that was a great <laughs> that was a great part. Jamie and Brienne play the "I know what you did last summer" game and then end up hooking up. And then John is lauded as a hero to Danny's dismay. Uh, thoughts and feelings on the feast. Feast was good. You know, the feast is the chance that they all had to just unwind a little bit and celebrate the fact that they made it through the bloodiest battle that we've seen in Game of Thrones so far. And there were a couple beforehand, you know, Blackwater Bay, Battle of the Bastards, that were pretty high body counts. So for you to make it through this battle, look, we, we all can't be Sir Davos, right? We all can't be the person who makes it through every single battle alive. But, Somehow. <laughs> but uh, if you do, you should take that opportunity to celebrate. And, you know, I mean, we get the fact that Gendry also, you know, gets promoted, essentially. He gets to be a Baratheon, you know, which was a, a little bit of a play by Danny to consolidate her power base as she witnesses John and the affection that all the people have for her because this is still the first episode post-reality of absorbing the fact that there is a better line of succession that exists to the throne than her, right? She is dealing with the fact that John has the right to the throne ahead of her even though she has been questing after it all of this time, Mike. So uh, Gendry gets the promotion and then makes a, a very quick um, marriage <laughs> proposal afterwards, which is exactly what you should do after finding out that you're being given full lineage. Yeah, man, it, it's all Broken Hearts Club, right? So Gendry gets shot down. Our boy Tormund <laughs> gets shot down and <laughs> cock-blocked by uh, Jamie. Uh, and um, who else? Uh, John, John, well, John, 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 John shoots down Danny, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting look. If you're if you're Gendry, by the way, and you've made it this far, shoot your shot, kid. You know, do, do <laughs> oh, what you got to yeah. do. You're playing with house money at this point. You have no business being there. <laughs> look, and and that look, she's too good for you. So you're you're just kind of hoping and praying that she makes a mistake. Um, the the torment stuff is heartbreaking. You know, as we as we get to the final episode, because man, you know. He, Bri- Brienne really made a, a poor choice uh, there, but yeah. yeah, look, they they were ce- they had the right to celebrate, Mike. They this is a moment that you know they they kind of secured uh, a normal ish world uh, void of a White Walker army. Yeah, and and, and rife with uh, Starbucks coffee cups. So who oh, doesn't yeah. who doesn't deserve <laughs> no. a, a mochaccino after you? Uh, <laughs> kill a million uh whites well again so, depending yeah. on when you watched it the coffee can actually be there because thanks to the you know technology george lucas would have really enjoyed right. when he wanted to continually edit what actually what actually happened in star wars to change the <laughs> whole dynamic of the series the yeah. game of thrones editors could just magically update it and the next stream of the show it was completely removed so yeah. The same assholes who couldn't uh, have John pet his 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 wolf ghost, uh, <laughs> but they could make a fucking coffee cup poof disappear in about yep. thirty seconds. Or Look, a day. I, I, we'll talk about it in a second, and they make good on that finally. But I I will tell you, I think all of us would have gone to war, would have gone to you know the Battle of Winterfell levels after not seeing John get the chance to give good boy ghosts. One little the best boy, one yeah. little rub 
just to thank him for losing an ear and getting shredded in the battle, like charging forward and somehow making it out alive. Like, come on, give me a break. Yeah. He didn't even have a flaming sword and he got his ear chewed off and John just ghosts him. Yeah, it was, it was stupid. He also then had to go say goodbye you know, after that criminal uh, overlook on Ghost who just kind of whimpered there. Um, you know, if, if he would have had a boom box, he would have put it over his head and played, why don't you love me anymore? Um, John, John then has to go say goodbye to Sam and torment, which are actually like really moving pieces because those are the two guys that I think he probably now trusts the most, um, of anyone. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the reality that we don't are lucky enough not to know is that, is that war is hell, right? So even though you made it through this one, you, everyone kind of knows there's another one on the horizon and you, you likely are saying goodbye to people for the last time. And so, you right. know, you kind of have to take care and do that properly because after this, Dan, they, they plot what is, again, a poorly, poorly planned King's Landing attack. Um, th- this time, though, uh, Danny and Sansa kind of get after each other a little bit saying, you know, hey, we're, we're ready to roll. You know, we just won this stupid war that I, I didn't really want to commit to, but we did. Now I need to go get the Iron Throne. Sansa says, yo, everyone's a little tired from, you know, uh, getting stabbed all night. So could we, <laughs> could, could we hold off just a smidge? Uh, she gets shot down. Uh, thoughts on the war council? Yeah, this is a bad war council. It's not good. Yes. It's... No, uh, I, I, you know, we, we've seen better photos from like the president's like war room where they're like conducting a military strike. And that isn't even great. So, yeah, this was not a good example of what strategic intelligence was. And we yeah. saw on the previous episode the fact that they ran all the Dothraki out without any type of scouts, any type of like pre-fight effort again like these are not good strategies you know strategists as it were so ultimately that's unfortunate we do get the fact that afterwards though that john comes clean after danny says please don't tell them please don't tell them and does tell his stark family who he really is after deferring to bran and gets the nod from (laughs) bran mike like should i tell them bran's like your choice oh bran is the worst man you know <laughs> couldn't, couldn't agree more <laughs> like like we said last night um there are two terrible brands in this world one would be raisin bran and the other would just be <laughs> fucking bran and you know let me say something about bran he is in a wheelchair that he's allegedly stole the design from from someone else and that dick can't even wheel himself around he has to make other people push him because he's just too good to roll his own wheels and be a little bit self-sufficient um, yeah, you know, going yes. back to the London to is Blue podcast where we make fun of disabled people. This yeah, is way, uh, way no, to go, no, Michael. No, uh, Michael is, is clearly not an ableist, so uh, we want to fantasy. just highlight the fact that, uh, you know, he hates people who uh, have Mm-mm. disabilities. No. no, yeah, Winterfell is not ADL compliant yeah. as King's Landing eventually will become. So I, to- I'm definitely hating on the guy who has the ability to change time. And travel to the future and uh, can't fix any of it minus ruining his one companion to hold the door and yet does not do anything else in this whole entire freaking series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, John then hot potatoes back to Bran to say, actually, motherfucker, you tell him, Um, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. The fact that we didn't get the reaction on screen, I think, is one of the biggest crimes the show has committed 
Um, It's absolutely inexcusable not to be able to show the next five or eight seconds of that react. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it, it, it's the singular plot line that people have cared about in the story more than any other. And they, you know, we'll get into it, but they basically abandoned it right here and right now. And that really sucked to me. But uh, what that does allow, Dan, though, is for Sansa to take the information after swear it, swear that you'll never tell a soul. Uh, She just goes and tells the next soul that she sees, actually, which is Tyrion. Uh, And Tyrion tells Varys, and then they have a really treasonous type of, of meeting at Dragonstone where... You know, they kind of talk about who should be in charge. Varys thinks that John should be in charge. Tyrion thinks that Danny should be in charge. Then Varys says, actually, I'm going to just go poison her so we don't have to worry about this whole thing. Uh, Dan, thoughts on the treason talks and Sansa trying to play the game like Littlefinger? Well, I will say Sansa is a A-plus game player, you know, yep. as we've seen over the past couple seasons that she definitely level up a couple of times in that process. So credit to her for knowing who to say the right thing to and by dripping that information to Tyrion it gets a Varys and Varys is and has always been for the realm it's not for a specific individual and Varys will advocate for the millions of people who have to reside under you know Tyrionist rulers to kind rulers whomever it may be has always acted in the benefit of the greater population or the greater good and he is not down with just saying, well, we pledge our allegiance to one person and that's okay. So it creates a little bit of friction between Varys and Tyrion and it, uh, you know, that doesn't end well. But before that, you know, we get Arya and the Hound heading out of Winterfell together. Buddy comedy. Buddy comedy resumes, which is excellent because they have some of the best on-screen chemistry together as actors and characters and, I will tell you, they had some of my favorite moments in all of Game of Thrones together, and so to have them together again for just a couple of scenes together was magnificent, Nick. Yeah, look, I mean, these guys clearly, after everything they've been through, uh, care about each other, whether they will outwardly say that in this episode or not. Uh, It's great to see them kind of get back on the King's Road um, and head south. Uh, This is, you know, I think one of the singular plot lines that's carried through effectively in this story. And uh, it's just good to see him get back on the road. I mean, while everyone else is is taking, you know, uh, the high speed seas down to King's Landing uh, with their with their powered boats. Um, these guys are just kind of trudging along, rehashing how they've almost killed each other a bunch. You know, it's really cute, Mike. Yeah. You know, it's amazing when we used to have an entire season to take us from the north to the south, how fucking insanely fast people are now able to travel through the length of Westeros um, and it's kind of like typical horror movie stuff like hey let's split up hey let's take the you know the 50 per, you know the half of the army that we have left and let some of them send them to the you know to Daenerys's place why only so they can get ambushed and get one of the, one of their two super weapons who could barely fly and they wouldn't rest before they try to attack King's Landing you know without the rest of the army getting there so it's just poorly thought out, and um, yeah, it's kind of well, bullshit. Uh, it's incredibly bullshit for me, um, as Ray Galt was on my fantasy team. So the yeah. the 
drastic mismanagement, Dan, of the Dragon Rhaegal. Uh, thoughts and feelings? Yeah, they uh, they done fucked up, Nick. Yep, <laughs> they done fucked Thanks, up. Thanks, Dan. Great thoughts. Again. You're like Ollie from Game or from uh, Family Guy. That's what you are. <laughs> Have you guys heard about uh, how they how they did Drogon dirty? And they're like, look. They killed his fucking brother, turned him in, or sister, turned it into a zombie. No, no, uh, no. Then they they killed his other brother. Then they took his mom away, and it's just he's got screwed the whole time. Here, here's the thing: we need to what we need to talk about is the fact that throughout the entirety of this season, uh, Benioff and Weiss were doing these post, you know, yes. post game recaps, and for this episode in particular, when they dropped the line, yeah, Danny kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> There's a thousand fucking ships. And like, also, like, hey, let's go sail by ourselves. Also, as Mike astutely pointed out at the very beginning of the show, you're in the air. <laughs> Nobody has a tactical advantage over you. You, you literally have, can look down. They have the higher ground, Anakin. <laughs> of, of the tenets of warfare, ah. air superiority is the most important thing. And you fucking lose a super weapon because you can't, because what, the, the camera doesn't pan forward? So that we can't see some ships that have have you know their uh, scorpions that are on automatic fire. We have eight ships that shoot a hundred bolts in about thirty seconds. You know, cut to scene. You know, episode five in which a thousand ships can shoot about fifty. So semi-automatic big crossbow for episode four, which is great. Um, The the final part of this episode, just to keep it moving, uh, they you know Tyrion. Because he's just taken L's left and right, convinces Danny yet again to try and go reason with an unreasonable Cersei. Uh, Cersei retaliates <laughs> yeah. as she typically would, uh, has the mountain kill the love of my life, Missandei. And uh, from that point on, Grey Worm and Danny were in full Targaryen rage mode. Um, it was activated, Dan. They, uh, they officially decided to go just murder everybody. Yeah. Dracarys. Yeah. Burn it all down. Yeah, T- tell me Cersei wouldn't have put a bolt right at, Tyr- at right at Tyrion. Maybe not hit him, but like right in front of him. Like she's not going to take a shot just to mess with him because he's going to literally walk up to the walls and just reason with her. Like, yeah, there was too much of the in, just in general. There's too much of the I'm going to go alone. Like, f- uh, dude, yeah. just give me a break. All right. Anyway, next episode, uh, the bells, uh, John. Or no, wait. Uh, Danny enforces. You know the overall theme here is that Danny enforces kill everybody and everything. She starts off by saying, "This time I am going to see the ships and I am going to burn them all," um, which was a strategic move, Dan. That I think uh, probably was better than her uh, last move, which was to get one of her dragons killed. Well, and and burn the ships. So she mm-hmm. burned the ships. She burned all, uh, burned all the scorpions. She burned the entire Golden Company. And this was right before. You know, obviously, Tyrion tries to figure out the way of resolving the conflict peacefully, right? So he has negotiated and freed Jaime from captivity, yep. who had been captured going south after the cruelest Super touching moment. Uh, yeah, by the, the way. cruelest you know relationship breakup we've had in this show potentially, where Brienne is begging him to stay because of she knows what's going to happen if he goes south. She knows that he is going to die and it's going to be miserable. And she really, really loves this person and cares about them more than they care about themselves. And he says, fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. Goes down south, gets captured. Tyrion frees him to try to talk sense to Cersei. That doesn't really work well, but we do get some other 
moments in the episode, which we get, we finally get Clegane Bowl, Mike, mm-hmm. which uh, I think delivered, delivered as a fight overall. I don't know, man. I was. What? 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 Uh, look. Okay, where's the it button was a, Skype wait, wait, call wait. to get rid of you? It was. <laughs> I'm it sure was I can a, find it here. Look, it was a cool fight. And the way it ended was great. But I just thought, like, come on, man. The mountain would have killed, like, him just. I, I hate it when the super strong bad guys who can't be defeated decide to, instead of just fucking crush the eyeballs out of the good guy, decide to throw him around for about five minutes before then the good guy can get his one ch- last chance in. It's just overplayed. Um, I did like the idea that we thought, you know, that the hound was going to go out like the red viper. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I thought it was cool to see, you know, <sighs> Gregor's sins and past get cleansed by fire. You know, the whole thing started in flames. It ended that way. I thought that was kind of cool, but, um, I, I just don't, I doubt that he would have let Cersei like just punk out right next to him. I mean, he would just, I would have just stabbed <laughs> her in we, the face. Can, yeah. Can we talk about that for just a quick minute, which was, it was like kind of unintentional comedy, I think of the show where it's just, yeah. Kyburn gets smashed to pieces, which was hilarious. And then <laughs> best humorous death of oh, the entire yeah. season. And maybe the show much Listen like to your queen. fantasy team dead. Um, okay. <laughs> then Cersei, which the best meme I saw about this was that Cersei goes from full murderer, uh, in cold blood to a polite Midwesterner in one scene. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to squeeze by you there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in your way. Just kind of, Oh man, just destroyed me. How funny that was. But I will say, Mike, you're totally wrong. This was an epic fight. Of course, the hound is at a disadvantage. He is not a superhuman, uh, nor does he have the size advantage. However, he did have the line of the, the fight, which he was essentially just said, fucking die, <laughs> which was hilarious. <laughs> and then, you know, you pushed him out of a collapsing building. That's kind of believable to me, Dan. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think the why won't you fucking die and everything that about this fight. Again, there was a whole lot wrong with this season, and I will absolutely 100% back Clegane Bowl as being one of the better moments of this season. Again, and, and the build-up to it, which the Hound stops Arya from going to kill Cersei, pulls her back and talks to her about like the corrupting influence of what the pursuit or the path that she's going to go down if she continues to do that, and saves her. And then Sandor Clegane... You know, where she basically calls him out as Sandor and like for the first time for the first time ever, not the hound, but calls him by his name, which the wonderful um, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga memes from A Star is Born that came out with the <laughs> just want to get a good look at you. Let's wonderful. look at you uh, element from that was a unintentional side benefit of it was a really magical moment that led up to that fight. And. Yeah, then we also got the ending to the Jamie and Cersei relationship, Mike, which was sad, touching, romantic, uh, multiple feelings that you might have uh, apparently a differing opinion of because your opinion is terrible because you didn't like Clegane Bowl. <laughs> so I'm just going to no, no, toss look, it to you. Let me say this. Clegane Bowl was ruined by um, the mountains fucking Darth Vader. Let me pull off my helmet. At look, I, I didn't like that part. Um, but you know, as far as Cersei and, and Jamie, 
<sighs> they, man, we waited for that death for eight years. And the best we get is them being too dumb to step 10 feet to the other side <laughs> so they don't get collapsed on or or just pu- push uh, a couple bricks out of the way like Tyrion did to climb through. Like, come on. Like, I knew they had to die. And I I just... They went out They went out like punk bitches, man. They did. Like, I hated it. She deserved a much more gruesome death. Fucking and and yeah. he deserved to uh, to probably have one, too. The, yeah. the most ridiculous part about that whole thing was that Jamie and Euron fought. Uh, Euron stabbed him like three times, and then he walked up a thousand stairs and then walked back down and then got crushed by rocks. Like, yeah. what, what is going on there? That doesn't he make got any stronger. sense. He got stronger and stronger yeah. the further he yeah, walked. Just, That's what you know, happens know, when he gets stabbed in the kidney. I, I, there was a bunch of theories out there that he was going to kill Cersei. That was likely never going to happen in my book. No. But I also, like, I cannot believe that they gave both of those characters such an easy out. Like it was, it was, it was just terrible. Um, And I think probably the point, Dan, you know, despite the mass uh, innocence dying uh, above that most people kind of shut down, you know, this season as, you know, having any sort of redemption, I think. Yeah. Again, this episode, I mean, one of the best things was watching Aaron Rodgers die multiple times. That was exciting. (laughs) Uh, if you're not aware, Aaron Rodgers was an extra and died nope. multiple times in this episode, which is very odd because it's like how his playoff pursuits go every year. Oh, um, oh, they, they, they tend right. to die frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this this was not had a lot of beautiful moments in it, like Arya, you know, finding herself alive at the end of it, the white horse walking in and the leaving the battlefield behind her in slow motion. But yeah, I think in all, Nick, this was an episode that had a lot of great moments, but didn't leave you necessarily like it looked beautiful, but it didn't leave you feeling full or satisfied. Yeah, it was it was visually just stunning what they were able to achieve. And the after the episode and the making of the episode confirmed that for you. I mean, it was just insane. They didn't even make it into Brobnik. They made it in Ireland. They had to recreate that entire set like I I applaud everybody on the show who put the time and effort into the visual effects of the show because they crushed it. Yeah. Uh, the the writing uh, left left a lot to be desired here. Uh, I will also say, as Danny's burning the innocence alive, which was visually stunning, where she kind of made her full heel turn. Mike uh, John also kind of I think made his heel turn at that point, and um, and I think made the decision that you know there was probably going to be some sort of conflict after yeah. he watched his own troops, you know, rape, pillage, murder. Yeah, I mean, you saw all of it. It's it's good troops turn evil and and you know, the you know, the pillaging is on, you know, both I think you see John and Tyrion realize that the woman that they had backed, you know, the great hope they had for the land and breaking the wheel was just not the person they thought they would be. Um I, you know, overall like man we only got six episodes and I think we spent 30 minutes of that city being burned. And I don't like, I don't know. I think I could have done with 10 minutes. Like, I don't know how many people I needed to see incinerated to drive home the point that war is hell and this should never happen. But it was very uncomfortable. Um, you know, plus sprinkled in with a lot of imagery that we've seen, you know, um, in the past and, you know, like, I felt like there was a lot of yeah, they, 9-11 they took the, imagery. It, it just, 
it was very uncomfortable. And they they hit home the point. I just to me well, they took they took the inspiration mic from the fire bombings in Dresden. They that said, too, yeah, I, I which mean, is yeah insane. Like that, it's crazy that you're able to like kind of recreate that. But it also shows like why we probably shouldn't have these things in the first place. But it's uh, these things yeah. being bombs, not dragons, obviously. Yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, they 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 heavily relied on a lot of imagery. Um, you know, jumping to episode six, that guy who's kind of walking out of the city with all his skin burned off, you know, very reminiscent oh, yeah. of Napalm, you know, very famous Life or uh, Life magazine shots of that little girl in Vietnam. So um, very uncomfortable, you know. I mean, like you said, dr- you know, the firebombings we did in Dresden, you know, uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, all these bad, terrible things that we've we've experienced, we've done. Um, I just would have liked to see a little bit, you know, I felt like we could have saved 15 minutes to to try and, you know, wrap up some some details. But that's that's me. All right. Final episode, guys, the Iron Throne. Uh, We all agree that the episode should have been called the Queen Slayer. But uh, uh, there's a lot that we disagree with. that you know opens up this beautiful shot of Tyrion, John, and Davos, and and troops walking through the wrecked city. It's begun to snow, which is I you know kind of a telling uh, sign of the show that winter's finally kind of reached King's Landing, um, symbolic for sure. And then uh, Tyrion decides that he's going to go at it alone again. Um, finds Cersei and Jaime down in the uh, um, the wherever the kind of basement of King's Landing, I suppose, of the Red Keep um, gets really, you know, kind of makes his full turn at that point, quits Danny in front of her troops by, you know, she, she accused him of treason, which was great, Mike. And then he says, yeah, but you basically committed genocide. So I think, I think we're about done here. Yeah. I I think this is one of the, that, that kind of shot of that fascist leader standing up and kind of that, you know, the monument and, and the troops below. And you, you see Danny's talking about conquering the world to help everyone. You know, I thought that was incredibly pivotal. Um, you know, one, where the hell did all those Dothrakis come from? You know, who knows? I think, <laughs> I think by the day. Yeah. I was thinking about this a lot today. And I think if you take that scene, right. And you have it the way it is, and she's talking, and she's you know kind of shouting like a dictator out, and then you kind of cut to where all all the Dothraki and all of the Unsullied are way more than they had that they should have had, and you just start letting them kind of dissipate into mist or into smoking stuff, and show that there's not as many of them as it appear. I think that would have been a really cool transition to see like she's fucking crazy. Like she's thinking that she is back, you know, before battle of Winterfell. Um, and she, you know, she's kind of lost it. And I think, I think it might've helped the viewers a little bit to see like, she is freaking crazy instead of, I don't know, maybe you get the full transition, but that's well, Dan. And, that's and, what I'm thinking. And, and the big thing, I, I think the, the overarching theme is that, you know, most people aren't happy with how some of these stories panned out. It's just that we lost a lot of what the substance and the material to generate the like a true narrative understanding for like the generation of those thoughts, right? Like seeing the season end with Danny turning into these Targaryen roots and burning the city down isn't necessarily a terrible like end to her character. It's but like, how did we continue to build her to that point? How did we build John to the point of being capable of murdering his, you know, ex lover aunt right. and queen right. 
in that moment beyond just watching her burn down a bunch of people because that was a very quick transition from I love this person, I want to marry them, I want to be with them the rest of my life to finding this out, going through another battle, then going through another battle and deciding that they should kill them. Like, I mean, the, the I guess the, the quickness and the truncated season, Nick, made a lot of these things where the, the jumps that we would have liked to see allowed us to have to like paint a little bit more of a picture in our mind as viewers versus where we had a chance to see a lot of that, you know, actually happen in real time in front of us previously. And we didn't get the benefit this season. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the, it's the major criticism, right? If this happens over, you know, seven to 10 episodes, I think most people can reconcile with it. You know, I know mm-hmm. that she was a beloved character, like Mike was saying earlier that, you know, a lot of people had invested a lot of time and, and, you know, uh, a, a lot of women out there kind of identified her as like a, you know, a, a, not a role model, but just an inspirational figure. You know, it's like yeah. you finally have like a, you know, a, a really powerful um, kind of warrior female character who, you know, is is this close to, to taking the thing that she had always wanted. And, you know, it's, you know, she had to go kind of full crazy to get there. And you just, you wish that they would have taken more care with that and, 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 and done it a little bit better because Amelia Clark as an actor crushed these episodes and a lesser actor or actress uh, would have really struggled to make that come to life in such a short amount of time. So uh, I think just credit to her for, for being able to do it, but it doesn't mean that the writers did her or their character any credit whatsoever. Um just it felt rushed and it felt you know in in today's society it felt like they just went like oh uh that bitch is crazy now um yeah. you know and it's yeah. like that sucks man well they, they destroyed two of the strongest female characters in the last 10 years with two, a couple episodes in shitty writing right i mean let, let's be honest circe was one of the all-time great villains and the last oh, thing yeah. she can do in in her last six episodes or five episodes is just fucking drink a cup of wine and just look out a window and you know and they don't even give her a good death and then like you said with danny in which again two very inspirational you know strong female characters and and i think some of the things that i've read is they're talking about the the changing of perspective and in storytelling and which by both Danny and, uh, you know, um, seriously being isolated, like so often in Game of Thrones, what made it a difference was that the, the characters told you what they're experiencing through their conversation with other characters. And with Danny having Jorah gone and uh, Masande gone, like basically we, we see these characters, like they just tell us what happens, not the character telling us what they're experiencing and why they're doing it. And we're just supposed to like all of a sudden believe that, you know, you know, one of the that 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 Circe had no plan B. I mean, the chick who fucking blew up half of her own city. I mean, Circe always had a plan A, B, C, D, and and Danny just goes crazy because you know she's crazy. They did us all wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, John ends up you know kind of visiting Tyrion after you know Tyrion goes and and is imprisoned instead of just killed straight out, which was a weird decision as well. Um, wait, wait, and they which, have, which to be fair, John, my man, just go with the story that she left that the dragon, that she drove off of the well, dragon. Come hold, on. Hold up. Hold up. We, I mean, we kind of fast forwarded through this because what's really important is that John and Tyrion have a really important conversation. Uh, 
they talk about, you know, love's the death of duty and then reverse that duty is the death of love, which is really impactful for John, who's I think weeping at this point, because I think he knows what he has to do. And Tyrion convinces him, you know, that Danny's gonna kill his family. I mean, Sansa certainly doesn't appear that she would kneel for Danny. Uh Arya is likely gonna try and kill her on her own. If not, like there's there's some real implications for John and his family now. And Tyrion reminds him, you know, that as John's saying, it's not my choice. Tyrion reminds him very powerfully, you're the only one that can make the choice. You're the only one with a better claim to the throne than her. You're the only one who's going to be close enough to her to do what you have to do. And I think that was maybe of this entire season, the second most powerful scene for me outside of Brienne getting knighted uh, because it just showed how far these two characters have come, Mike, from pissing off at the edge of the world to, hey, we're going to have to, kind of go ultimate sacrifice mode here. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about two dudes who are who are both in love with Danny and having decide to do something above love and I mean, at this point, damn, you would think that the unsullied would stop letting people visit prisoners because it just has not gone well with Jamie getting freed and now, you know, John getting his uh, head turned by Tyrion. So you're right, though. I mean, if you cut Tyrion out of the last three episodes, like the only real good dialogue you have and development is almost gone. So it's it's tough. Um, but, but then John has to, you know, I think one of the more powerful moments too, Dan, like Danny touches the Iron Throne. It's a, a direct recall of her vision from season two where she doesn't touch mm-hmm. the Iron Throne. Uh, she then has this really odd and kind of psycho conversation with John about how she can't count, but then also people don't get to choose their own fate because I'm now the the ruler and I know what's best. And John does the deed and, and stabs her through the heart with his dagger. Yeah. And obviously a, a super sad touching moment. We get Drogon just crying out in flames essentially versus the Iron Throne mental melting into pieces. And, you know, one of the, prettier scenes that exists in the show, even though quite, quite sad for those who were hoping that Danny would sit in the iron throne or that John would potentially sit in the iron throne. And, and then we get the very weird fast forward to multiple weeks later where the imprisoned well, Tyrion Drogon melts the iron throne, which is important I, I did because say, now that I did say that I, I made sure I made sure to cover off that one. Cause that was huge because now yeah. there was no iron throne to technically claim. Um, no. But then we fast forward, Tyrion gets to go to the dragon pits and sit in front of the assembled council of individuals, which includes Robin Aaron. Where have you been all this time amongst Glow up. Uh, the, the Tully family, yeah. like all these people who were just, you know, randomly picked out of thin air to join this uh, council to select, you know, eventually who'd become the next king. Nick. They were the heads of the major houses, bro. Yeah. Well, even Robin Aaron. Um, look. This was an like the first 30, 40 minutes of this episode were great. The last 40 minutes were, were weird at best. Um, so, so six weeks later, apparently, uh, by Tyrion's count, uh, he's still a prisoner. Uh, Grey Worm and the or the uh, um, Unsullied are still running King's Landing, uh, they have not let go of the city yet. And Grey Worm somehow agrees to bring Tyrion, a guy he hasn't somehow killed yet, uh, to the small council to then give him the power to name, to help name a king. 
with this small council. I mean, the, the premise of this is absolutely absurd. Um, we'll get into some of the problems with it later, but um, Tyrion ends up going on this soliloquy about you know stories of the things that keep us going and that are un- unbreakable and says that Brand <laughs> Brand Stark has the best story of anyone. And then they, I mean, can I say one of the funniest moments of the show ever, Edmure Tully, a guy we <laughs> haven't seen for, for three or four seasons, gets up yeah. and says, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd like to think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, a senior lord and I have some sort of statecraft. Sansa Bitch says, shit down! Bitch shit Uncle, down! <laughs> please sit. Three words, the biggest bitch slap of all time. He sits down. The 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 meme after this, Mike, was clearly the Andre Iguodala LeBron <laughs> block from the finals like a few years ago. It was absolutely hysterical in a in a weird setting. Like I have no idea what the hell is going on here. Yeah, you you need to cut to the scene of everyone laughing about democracy and put and cut that right into uh, Tyrion saying that Bran has the best story. I mean, we're talking about the true heir to the throne, a dude who has died a chick who killed the night king everything that sansa overcame like quite literally everyone there has a better fucking story than bran the broken like and that's the best you could come up with in six weeks yeah not cool yeah yeah it was bad so they end up they end up uh, anointing bran the broken as king of the realm and blah 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 um and and Tyrion does make the point and, and trying to say that the wheel is broken that because Bran can't have kids, which Sansa unnecessarily points out, um, Bran's dick yeah. don't work. <laughs> uh, First hand knowledge. Tyrion then makes the point that it's good. You know, now we get to choose a king every time one steps down or dies. So that's kind of the new uh, order that they've established. Uh, didn't, didn't you think that was really fucking dumb? Being that the entire the entire series is predicated on having a king who didn't have a clear line of succession and all the major houses trying to lay lay claim to the throne. Like, yeah, but they're going right to do back? it more orderly now. Like, that's oh, because the, that, they're not going to yeah, fight each other. Absolutely. I gotcha. Yeah, okay. I think I think everyone's on the same page there. So yeah, um, makes sense. But an important point here, Dan, is that Sansa negotiates sovereignty for the North saying uh, that she loves her little brother, but that uh, she ain't going to kneel again. Um, She's come too far. He does his crazy eyes nod, and that's kind of a a done deal. So Sansa's the uh, best negotiator in the game. Yeah, you know, we've uh, seen Sansa grow up, and uh, credit to the costume designers, because the end of the show when she is taking the throne in the North, like they, they brought like all these elements of costume design from like the the direwolves and the season like all the seasons leading up to the costume design for her final scenes and you know she nails it you know she has known all along that what is most important to her is protecting the norse protecting the starks and winterfell and she makes sure that that is protected and intact so uh, credit to her for a phenomenal effort, and you know she uh, she played her long game as well as anybody else in the series. Absolutely. Um, so the the major player that we haven't talked about for a while is that John is also a prisoner. Um, apparently he he didn't get the fuck out of there um, or try and just fight Grey Worm uh, for superiority. So John's a prisoner. 
the way that they apparently negotiate for the Unsullied to leave the city is for John to go back to the wall. Um, it, this was kind of all precluded by Arya threatening Yara Greyjoy that if she you know, says that John should die again, she would cut her throat in front of everybody, which I think kind of settles the mood a little bit um, as she is an assassin. So John, apparently the, you know, heir to the Iron Throne doesn't get to fucking choose where he goes or what he does, which makes zero sense whatsoever. And uh, he goes back to the wall. Arya ventures west, what's west of Westeros, no one knows. Uh, clearly Sansa goes back to the north. Uh, Bran names Tyrion, the Hand of the King, Mike. And Tyrion now basically is the de facto ruler of the kingdom. Pretty much. Um, his punishment is to deal with Bran all the time and rule <laughs> and rule in his absence when he's just going to go eye roll and, you know, ev- eventually turn into a tree, right? Yep. Like, I, and again, th- this I think this is the maddening part for me in which I think one of the worst lines of the entire series was them basically, you know, proclaiming that Bran will be the king. Why? Because he doesn't want it. And then his line is, why do you think I came all the way here? And I'm like, you could have said like, hey, I've come all this way, so shit, I might as well. But but the person that has claimed, who has had the ability to change time itself, has effectively let mass genocide happen in many different ways. And his whole end game was because he fucking knew he was going to be king. Like come on like that all the buddha zen stuff of it happened because it happened and we're here because this happened and it's all good it's because he gets to become king it's that was such a cheap cheap payoff for me man i don't think anyone's happy with the choice um but it's classic george i guess to go with a, a random kind of selection like that um what i could have used about eight more episodes of would be the small council the new small council uh, Tyrion, <laughs> yeah. Sir Bronn of the Blackwater, yeah. uh, Sir Davos, uh, Brienne of Tarth, Sir Brienne of Tarth, uh, who is now the head of the Kingsguard. And then uh, finally, uh, apparently Samuel Tarly is now Grand Maester. So he went to the advanced grad school online to get that mm-hmm. degree, which was nice. Got that Maester's uh, MBA, you know, just yeah. really nailed it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, just crushing it. I could have used about eight eight seasons worth of dialogue from those guys. They're some of my favorite characters. I, I will tell you, they could spin it off into a West Wing style show where it was really focused on the small council, and I would oh, eat that God. shit up all yeah, day yeah. long. Bre- breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, but credit, I will say credit to some very maligned characters, right? Like you have Brianna Tarth, who couldn't get knighted for all of it because you know of her gender. You had. Sir Davos, who was a smuggler. You have Bronn, who was a sellsword, who somehow worked their way to the top. And then you have the actual true heir to the throne, who ends up getting busted up with all of the robbers and miscreants to go north of the wall. Like, again, it's the Game of Thrones. And whatever you think is going to actually happen in the show absolutely does not happen. And so, uh, you know, and a couple, uh, a couple standout, you know, performances from those bench players who end up getting elevated to, uh, to the top of the ranks. Yeah. You know? uh, look, uh, the, the final scene is, is John, uh, walking out of castle black with the wildlings, fulfilling mm-hmm. his promise to take them back and petting uh, ghost to, and, and petting, petting yeah. ghost, petting ghost. <laughs> finally, um, uh, look, the, the series ended in a weird way. The pacing was 
incredibly poor. Like we'll, we'll go through kind of how we feel about this season as a whole, but I mean, there were some big narrative arcs that had to be closed and, you know, I, I, I don't know how successful they were, Dan, in, in doing that. I just, it, it felt really, really rushed for all the care that was put into the first six seasons. Look, uh, you know, uh, Weiss and Benioff have to go off and ruin Star Wars. So, <laughs> you know, they, they've got a lot of work to, ahead of them. And before they did that, they had to really just wrap on this Game of Thrones thing as quickly as possible. And, you know, whether it be budgets, whether it be getting actors to commit to multiple more seasons of filming for eight, nine, ten months out of the year in countries that they don't actually live in, whatever the situations were, whether it was too expensive to produce, you know, a lot of reasons could have contributed to the fact that we got some very shortened and truncated seasons in the last three. But there was one image I saw, which basically was like, you could have had this whole past season being about the conflict with the Night King. You could have had another season been post-Night King conflict with Cersei, and then you could have had a final season, which was Daenerys rise to power and collapse. And you could have really knocked this thing out of the park and cemented it fully. But instead of that, we got it basically was like watching a movie like with key points happening in front of you. And then you were fast forwarding through what would t- typically be considered the small bits of the movie, Mike. But those are those small bits are really what make game of thrones so impactful because a lot of it's character building and world building and we didn't get that i think getting robbed from that part in this season was probably the biggest travesty of it all yeah it's weird because on one hand we got some of the the best cinematography we've seen ever hands ever right powerful amazing um and it was completely let down by a lot of the character driven narrative and and we missed out i mean the to me, there are moments, right? So what we're watching is we're watching humanity, right? Humanity faces the army of death. They overcome. And what do they do? You know, instead of like, the, this is the last great war, you know, let's turn our, you know, swords into plowshares and all this other stuff. They decide that, guess what? After fighting, beating those odds, let's continue this shit. You know what I mean? Like, let's let the end of the world be human on human because we just can't figure shit out. And and I thought like, to me, one of the really most impactful parts of the show that just gets pushed the side is you know talking about Danny's like you know when she was crucifying the slavers when she was burning the the calls when there's all these things and and what we miss I think is that it's the idea of hey good guy like when the good guys are just killing bad guys it's all good and you keep killing bad guys you keep killing bad guys and there's a certain point that you're not killing bad guys right you're you know it's death from above it's bombing it's fire and and are you really the good guys anymore? And I think as a society, kind of like what Nick was alluding to, war is horrific. And for us to be getting to points to have to use that against each other to not resolve conflict, you know, that's what we should be talking about, right? We should, what we should be talking about is it's really easy to pretend that you're the good guy because you're killing bad people. But all of Game of Thrones is about a bunch of people killing each other. And that's just... It's fucked up, man. You know what I mean? Like, you're a bad guy for killing people, not not killing bad guys, right? You're still being a monster in some aspects of by by ending other people's lives. And it's all missed out because, you know, these two asshole writers couldn't figure out a good way to wrap up the series in a better yeah. way. Yeah, and, it, I mean, that's 100% itself. right. Yeah, the, so the I think the overall, you know, I, I was – Waiting until this last episode, Dan, to, to 
kind of put my full judgment on this season, the last season, and kind of the first six seasons, which I've sectioned off as just A plus for the most part. Um, I I just I think they did a really bad job of closing out a really good story, and it it was rushed. And one of the things that I said at the very beginning, and I and I hold true, is that if George R. R. Martin finishes the books in, you know, the five years that I think he had a handshake agreement with. So I think he was supposed to be done with these books by like season four. Um, then, you know, I think this whole thing probably is different. Um, the season seven and eight clearly relied on overly produced, amazing cinematography to make up for what was a lack of, of real story. And, while visually, I don't know if we're going to see something that cool again for a long time. It did, you know, for, for Game of Thrones fans, that's not enough. And they, they had to know that, you know, they had to know that the story is what mattered to people. And that's a bummer, man. It's such a bummer to, to see that George didn't follow through. And then the showrunners basically said, well, instead of 20 episodes, we're going to get, we're going to just close this thing out in 13. You know, yeah. just, uh, I don't know. Like it, it puts it puts a bad taste in your mouth at the end because it was so rushed. But uh, we'll get to our final thoughts on the entire series in a second. Um, final thoughts on on season eight as a whole, guys. Go ahead. Uh, so I will say season eight was great for one thing, and that was the memes. Yes. Um, yeah. Credit to yeah. the internet yeah. for yeah. whether it be. The Bran Stark end of episode one, Jamie coming into Winterfell and the Curb Your Enthusiasm music playing <laughs> to Brienne uh, writing the story of Jamie Lannister in the book and getting everything <laughs> from uh, the Mean Girls burn book to, you know, Brienne has the best blank in the land. Um, you know, like I, I, Jamie I, was a fuck boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the best one. Yeah. Uh, Brand's dick don't brand dick don't work. Uh, like all, all of <laughs> yeah. these things were exceptional. And whether or not you were happy with how it ended, I think collectively, like getting to watch a show in the modern era of on-demand programming that people are tuning into at specific times to watch so that they can culturally absorb it. And then yeah. share that back out, at, you know, as they're watching it real time. You know, I even threw out like the Bran Stark at the end of the episode as like Chelsea's, you know, technical director, like just because, you know, you just happen upon it. Right. Um, you know, yeah. all, all of these things are really special. And I think what I will take away from this season, though, is that episode two, um, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, ends up being one of the best episodes of the entire season. So in a season yes. that was rushed, that was pushed the you know, pushed across the finish line, uh, still managed to deliver uh, through uh, Michael Shapopnik, who's one of the uh, key directors of the series, um, and he did a phenomenal job with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I said it. I said it in our midway uh, pod. I think that if you let the series end at the Battle of Winterfell, it kind of just changes it a little bit right you can pretend that people went on their way and you know humanity decides to change their to break the wheel and 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 they've been given another chance to live you know um for me i think it's you know for somebody who is a big nerd in high school reading i read a ton of fantasy books about dragons and shit and that was not was not the cool thing to do man 
and to see this many millions of people like embrace this and um, you know we're gonna have spinoffs and it's gonna create more really really good shows I hope um, I think that I'm, I'm looking forward to what the next Game of Thrones will be because I cannot wait for that yeah I think my my final take on season eight as a whole uh, it, the the peaks and valleys I don't I don't know if they ever got bigger in the show you know there were some really great moments um, you know the shot of Danny with the wings behind her knighting Serbian of Tarth you know the the fireside chat the uh, you know I think just all the stunning visuals around uh, the bells you know there there's just so much to like visually about the series and specifically season eight and where we got let down was the dialogue. And I think that's kind of what I will always remember about seven and eight, to be honest with you is just the lack of, of witticisms and, and, you know, they did a lot of callbacks to previous stuff. So it was like, they were playing the hits. So, um, anyway, we, we likely need to move on after a quick commercial break, uh, to, <clears throat> quickly talk about fantasy. Yeah, yeah, uh, it'll be quick. Uh, and and to to be fair, I credited Chapopnik, who is the director of the battle episodes, is Brian Cookman, who is the individual who was credited for uh, episode two, and also has moved to Amazon recently to uh, shepherd a new show there, which could be the next Game of Thrones, quote unquote. But quick break. Yeah. Be back. Fantasy talk quickly. All right, and we're back, and we saved just a few minutes to give Michael an opportunity to gloat because you know he was going to do it the moment he finished <laughs> in the top of the rankings, Nicholas. it uh, You know, we have a lot of contention with the scoring, and, yep. um, you know, is it an uncontested victory? No. No, there's yeah. a lot of contention behind it. Uh, but you know what? The, uh, the score don't lie. As they say, yeah. board don't lie. And uh, Michael has ended up as the champion of the London is Blue Game of Thrones fantasy podcast. Thankfully, no blue beard bets on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, nope. not this time. We're done with those forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. Uh, My- Michael Michael finished with, with 2105 as a total, Dan with 1845, and me with Richard. Um, so. <laughs> I, <laughs> with, with what? <laughs> uh, so what I would like to say uh, is, look, uh, this was a weird season because the star players that you, you know, would would have drafted in the first couple of rounds, a lot of them had like kind of off seasons. It, yeah. You know, it was the secondary characters that really pulled through. And I think that's where, you know, when you look at Mike's team, that's where you actually have a lot of the the really great, you know, kind of point totals coming in from a guy like fucking Barrick, who we hadn't seen, you know, I think he's only been in like seven total episodes, ends up just crushing it. Grey Worm obviously going on mad kill sprees. Theon somehow getting redemption. Like, these are all really great, you know, kind of B character roles. And, and Mike's team crushed it, whereas my B character's, did very little, um, and, and that's a shame because uh, they 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 should have done more. But your Jon Snows of the world uh, did very little. The Night King for Dan did very little. Um, you know, Jamie Lannister went out like a punk bee. Uh, Cersei went out. What she scored? What four eighty ninety points total? Like, come on. 
like it it was a weird it was a weird season for for the star turns but go ahead mike gloat no you know i'm not gonna gloat i think just to help people kind of break it break it down what look i kicked your asses my number one pick was (laughs) aria she fucking saved the world my number two pick was drogon and he freaking destroyed the rest of it so if we're gonna talk about points for killing people just talking about how we need to take in the fact that the destruction <laughs> and the war and the use of these weapons, you drafted Drogon? Fuck you, I man. Did. Hey, Fuck guess you. what? You, you, assholes made a, you, 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 made a, you assholes made a run on dragons, <laughs> and you done picked the wrong ones. So um, what I want to say, just to, to break, break it down, Nick has a very valid point. One, I think Dan has nothing to talk about points-wise because he's got about 300 to 400 of Nick and my points that were graciously gifted to him from the asshats who run our fantasy league. But <laughs> Nick Nick has two characters, the Karstark and Kono. Zero points. You're supposed to get points for either dying or finishing, and they got shit. Well, no, no, so no, 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 no. What to, the hell? To be fair, they they did indicate that like if you had a memorable death, that okay. you get 25 points. So if your death was memorable, which, you know, Quiburn example, memorable death, uh, didn't do yeah. much to the entire e- episode everyone, season. Everyone had a memorable death now, with are, the exception of these two characters. Do, do you remember? Regardless, no, no, hey, just, do, do, I have the microphone remember, and I will talk. Do you talk. remember where Arya Karstark died in this season? No, I don't. Okay, then she didn't have a memorable death. But uh, no, actually right. it wasn't. It was, uh, she was a part of the circle of individuals that was right. defending Bran Stark. Yeah, but they never showed her die on screen. That's what I'm saying. She, was died, she died off screen. Okay. So. Anyway, cutting to it, where Nick and I have a valid point, it really should have been a Nick-Mike battle because when you look at our top five, top six points, Nick had, you know, one of his top five died. I had one of my top five die. And Dan had all five of his top five people died terrible choices uh i i lost four of my 18 characters nick lost six of his 18 and dan just got murderized with 11 of his 18 just taking dirt naps um (laughs) but yeah and and when you know top 11 right eight of my top 11 survived three of dan's top 11 survived sam and and you know gendry good for them and and nick had six of 11 so it really to me with what nick had i think he was done wrong um, I think there's a whole lot of points that were given Just, to you, you, you Danny heavies, that should man. have been Drogon's uh, draft points heavies. because he murdered everyone. Um, but overall, I love the idea of this. Um, I think it, I think it made me more angry. I'm, I'm really glad that we didn't have a serious bet or or cash on the line because oh god, me this, too. This. <laughs> You know, the scoring on this was crap. Someday Nick and I will go back through and attempt to score the series because I really think that his team has a better shot at where they finished. Um, but overall, yeah. I, I, I can't yeah. wait to do this to, for to another fair, series. Like Nick had Sansa and Bran, mm-hmm. who both yep. are rulers at the end of the season and somehow didn't win, which yep. should be the ultimate determinant on, you know, what your total score was. Meanwhile, like you're on Greyjoy, you're on Greyjoy. Like yeah. had more combined points than Bran Stark did in the entire season, and yeah. he was on my team, which is like again, like small margins, Shit right? Team. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, the the, I was, the scoring was was weird. I thought I should have done a little bit better here, but uh, that is our that's our fantasy update. 
Uh, it's over. Um, I, I lose again. Uh, this has not been a good run for me on Twitter bets or in fantasy leagues. So um, if, you, if you've been following along, those are the final results. Nick, uh, I got a gonna... couple of magical beans I can sell you next. I'm no, pretty excited no. to talk to you about those. <laughs> no, no, go away. Uh, final quick break, and then we are just going to do a quick overview of the series and, and be out. I know it's a long episode, but we're having fun with this. So be right back. Okay, so the series is done. We reviewed the episodes from the existing season, the last three. We talked about fantasy very quickly and gave Mike his opportunity to gloat. And graciously, he only did so for a multitude of seconds, which (laughs) the world is thankful for. Um, And now I guess we should just really talk about the series as a whole. I think, you know, you hit on it a little bit, Nick, but I think collectively there might be some agreement around the three, you know, amongst the three of us that some of the failures of this season don't necessarily lie at the hands of Weiss and Benioff, but they kind of lay at the feet of George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. They have to, right. Um, they had a handshake agreement that he was supposed to finish the books by the end of season four. It's 2019. The series is now fully ended. And he hasn't released the books, uh, the final two books. And it's super disappointing because I, I while, while on one hand, I understand that creatively he's trying to write the best book he can. The fact that he's taken on so many other projects over the last nine years and didn't kind of fulfill the, the priority, which is doing this, uh, I think should upset all the fans of the series and of the books. Um, and I would, I would firmly place the blame at his feet first. Um, you know, w- once you get past that and realize that that's just the the, the narrative that we're in, Mike, uh, Benioff and Weiss fucked this thing up pretty bad at the end. And the, it's it's coming from a place of love that I say that because I've loved what they did the first six seasons. But these last two seasons were, were short on narrative, were uh, inconclusive as to major plot lines and, and story arcs, and just lacked the wit and charm that made the series so powerful in the first place yeah it's a bit heartbreaking because we we got away from you know what the series started out was was different from other things right because it wasn't about one brave hero it was about fighting a system and it was no matter how good or whatever you know look at ned stark right no matter how good and righteous you are you you it doesn't matter man you just get your head chopped off and and all these other things and it just I think about the moment that we had leading up to these last two seasons. You know, like we had to, how long did we have to go with Jon Snow being dead? You know, with the Red Wedding, with Jamie having his hand chopped off. Like there were incredible moments and we didn't get any of those. Like I felt like we wasted a lot of time this past season about like, all these sitting around and talking with these characters like we we're going to lose them and then boom we didn't lose them so it was like everything that made this 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 magical place what it was was stripped away you know we didn't kill off anyone really that that needed to be killed the, the few people who died had just these huge story arcs which made it okay for them to die and it just it was not it was not the game of thrones that we had been given and um i don't think anyone you know when when you look at this it, they pulled off a miracle. The writers did to to make that book series into something that that what this is, but without George actually coming through and doing what he should have, um, 
they were let down and to try and come up with you know what they pulled off in the end it it was doomed for failure yeah yeah look i i did a twitter poll you know when we're thinking about the series as a whole just a twitter poll on my on my own channel and even after a very controversial last episode which i didn't hate the last episode by the way like i know it, was, it got a lot of grief i hated that it wasn't paid off by the episodes before it uh, more than anything but even after that the 80 percent of the like 100 you know 100 or so odd voters on my twitter poll gave it a seven or above with 43 percent giving it a nine or ten so i think people even in the moment of being angsty dan about how it ended and and rightfully so still are looking at the body of work and saying that this is an incredible achievement overall, even if it didn't end perfectly. Oh yeah. I think this series gets high marks and obviously your, your Twitter poll, um, you know, has, has relevance in it. You know, the, someone went through and combed the IMDB ratings of series finales. And I want to read off a couple here. So breaking bad with a 9.9, Friends with a 9.7, Downton Abbey with a 9.3, but technically they're getting a movie, so we should asterisk that one. Mad Men 9.3, Narcos, which also is continuing, so uh, maybe it's the first part. Uh, 9.2, Sopranos 9.1, Wire 8.8, Sopranos got a 9.1? Again, this is, again, IMDb ratings. Um, Lost 8.2, Seinfeld 7.7, Scrubs 6.3, Dexter 4.7, which was (laughs) fucking awful. Uh, Game of Thrones 4.4. Oh, for the fi- like for the series finale, Oof. not for the entire series. Um, oh. But obviously, the initial reaction uh, not not been great. Not been a great reaction. And I, I think pulling back and trying to contextualize it, like I do think personally, I really enjoyed the end of Mad Men. I really enjoyed the end of The Wire. I don't necessarily know if I feel the same way about the. And at the Sopranos, like many of the other people do on IMDb, but I don't know if this will go down as being my favorite series finale. Will I look back fondly on Game of Thrones as being a series that meant a lot to me and that I enjoyed? Absolutely. But does I I think we all have to realize that we're going to have to go away from this from a year or two to kind of really be able to contextualize it the right way, because I think some of the hurt from this season is going to, at least in the short term, Nick negatively impact how people think about it. Right, I, I completely agree. Like, there, you, you need to take a step back. You, you, anytime you're this invested, as, as we all are, to do a, you know, essentially six hours of podcast on this thing, um, it just it's hard because, you know, part of this story is the end. The end is final. You know, it it is written that way. I think what you hope, you know, if you're a book reader is and or or just a show watcher is that George's you know if if the books ever do come out that George's ending isn't so vastly different than what we saw here because if it is that feels like highway robbery to me that feels like he got to make a choice after everybody judged the show and decided to completely change the narrative Mm -hmm. and I would be furious if that were the case um, even if the ending was better, because again, he got paid off of this, right? He already he's he's got paid for this entire series. He committed this to the to the writers, and if and if that happens, man, I will be really really bummed because 
that's that's a disservice to you know everything that's kind of you know that people have invested in and you know it, I get if there are small differences or if there are characters that are are not in the show that are in the books that still have a major part to play but Christ Mike that would be that would be about the worst case scenario I think yeah it was the biggest bunch of bullshit like you you can't. <laughs> You can't retcon something because you've beta tested it on all of us and we all freaking hated it. You know, I I don't know. At this point, he's, you know, when, when you pay, when you get paid a lot of money to basically sign over the rights and let somebody finish your life work, like that's, that's on you, man. Like you should have, fin- like you said, should have finished the books. You know, how long does it take to finish those books? And, you know, overall, I... I think I'm most upset at George because, you know, he could have. This series should have gone down as one of the best, seri- the best series ever on TV, and and due to his negligence and, um, you know, working on other projects, he didn't give it the the send off that it needed. And, you know, it, it's kind of like the whole Star Wars thing, right? We can always choose to forget Episode One through Three, but it's still there and it still freaking hurts. And. Well, yeah, it, it reminds me of the gripes that we have. I know this is a long episode already, but um, some of the gripes uh, characterized in meme form on the Westeros posting Facebook page that I sent to the group today <laughs> yeah. uh, are the following, uh, which these are all half and half images. One of of Benioff below, um, you know, and the in the after the episode kind of setting. And then the character above. So kind of put that in your head. The meme for Arya is, uh, we kind of forgot that we spent season two, or we spent two seasons building Arya into a face-shifting assassin. So we just kind of forgot that. Uh, we never saw that again. Uh, we kind of forgot that the Unsullied were leaving anyway, so John didn't have to go to the non-existent Night's Watch. Uh, yes. Plot hole, yep. <laughs> uh, we kind of forgot that we spent uh, seven seasons building up the deeper significance of the Army of the Dead and what their purpose was or why they love swirly symbols. So we decided to kill them off with no closure. Uh, that was very interesting. Uh, we kind of forgot why Sam stole the books from the Citadel in the first place. Uh, good. Uh, we kind of forgot why we made Cersei pregnant in the first place. Also, uh, with the wine, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome, that's kind of a thing. Um, we kind of forgot why we put so much goddamn emphasis on this white horse for some reason, with Arya standing with the white horse. Uh, we kind of forgot what Bran's powers or purpose was, so we just had him take naps and and zing one-liners the entire season. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like there, there are a bunch of these things. Like we, we kind of forgot that Tyrion was smart and a main character in the series. Uh, also good. Uh, we kind of forgot that we shortened uh, this season to six episodes uh, with Danny's character development. Uh, we kind of forgot that we killed off all the Dothraki in episode three, but there are somehow still hundreds of them. Uh, all this stuff. Like, I think there are some major gripes, Dan, about the plot holes uh, and the stuff they left unanswered. It's kind of a bummer that we didn't get more carefully closed, threaded uh, pieces at the end because that's the way the show started, and I think that's why people got so invested in it in it in the first place yeah the the battles are great and they're wonderful and they have been transformative in the way that we think about how these battlefield conflicts can be portrayed not just in movies but in television but 
I came to Game of Thrones because of the characters and the political element of trying to navigate the tight relationship between what you actually say and what you mean and vying for political power in the Seven Kingdoms and to get shortchanged on some of that character development, to get shortchanged on seeing it all play out. You know, I think there's a difference between, um, you know, telling what someone has done, which is like, oh, Arya is going to go out west and that's going to look like this versus actually like showing what they do from a, a storytelling impact is, is massively significant. And we got a lot of like, oh, this is what happened. And we had just had to accept it, Mike, versus actually getting to see it play out. And so the short change element there is something that will at least resonates today as a bother and probably you know years of the future will mean less but in the moment is definitely something that makes me feel less happy about the way that it ended yeah no, no you're right you hit, you hit the nail on the head and so much of it's it's kind of like having to explain your joke right when you have to have the writers come on at the end of the episode to tell you why it was a good episode you've you fucked up right like hey it was really cool the idea that the starks you know we have got a stark in the north a stark in the south a stark going to the west and technically i guess brands kind of looking out to the east to to find drogon but they they just i don't know shot too high and did not did not perform and and it, it, it's to me the the like you said the amazing thing about game of thrones was watching watching a series in which it wasn't good enough to be the good guy that they were not afraid just to kill off the good guy because he was the good guy and you just had to deal with it and and we lost that in the last two to the last two seasons of like you know you play you know what i mean you play the game of thrones or you don't and in the last two seasons everybody's been terrible at everything they do john snow couldn't win a freaking battle Tyrion couldn't make a smart decision and yet they all survived to the end and and it just leaves you thinking like how the hell did all those other people die if this is how like shallow and kind of like hey we know people we know there's a TV audience and we want to play to them Nick and it, yeah. I think that's that's what hurts it, it brings up a really interesting point because in our first episode on on the Game of Thrones part which was a few weeks ago now we kind of went through and did the alive dead or undead kind of predictions and there are so many people who live throughout the season that it's shocking. Uh, Jon Snow, all the Starks, Tyrion makes it, uh, Yara made it, uh, let's see, the Hound of the Mountain both died, Sam and Brienne, and, and, Lil, yeah, and Little Sam, uh, Bran of Tarth made it somehow, Davos made it somehow, Bronn, Podrick, Tormund, Grey Worm made it, like who would have fucking predicted that? Um, like it, it's crazy, man, like. I think we all predicted there would be more death and there's this like well-known saying out there, uh, especially if you listen to the binge mode podcasts on game of Thrones, where it's like, we have, we've been conditioned to both love game of Thrones and also kind of want it to fuck us up a little bit. It's like the fuck me up game of Thrones thing where something unexpected happens and you're like, Oh man, that hurts so bad, but the show's so good. Uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy that we didn't get that kind of, you know, the same level that that we would have expected to in this uh, finale. But anyway, I think we've I think we've panned this the show enough. Let's talk about, you know, let's wrap up and, and talk about some of the great things about it and and hopefully put a, you know, kind of more balanced view on our 
on our uh, on our recency bias there. Dan, why don't you go first? Um, I think there's a lot to love. I think there are some characters who will go down as being absolutely exceptional from their story arcs, whether it was the, you know, Brienne character and watching her come in like later in the, the show, but pull off one of the kind of best evolutions, um, her relationship with Jamie. I mean, the, the acting was absolutely exceptional. And even when maybe the script didn't do the actors any favors that there really was some a plus plus performances that, you know, just you're going to walk away with and be like, man, like I, this is the job that got that person five movies, six movies, a full new series, whatever it might be. Like this is going to launch, you know, many careers for other people. And, you know, the, that probably is one of the things that I will uh, take away the most. Mike. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, when you, if you told me in season one that somehow we were going to love Jamie and Tyrion, like, no one could have ever seen that coming. We hated, you know, the people. We loved people. We hated them. We couldn't, you know, people. Look, you're. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Theon. Like the arcs that some of these characters had. You know, Sansa was whiny. She betrayed people a little bit. She got people killed. Her dad killed, and like that. That was the amazing part of it is that you got to grow. And I think for us as an audience, um, witnessing long form. St- storytelling i think it almost i don't know about you guys but it it almost ruins blockbusters for me because we saw something that happened in game of thrones that you don't get the opportunity to see really anywhere else and man you know the moments i'm sorry the the moments that were amazing were because they came at such a cost for everything else and and i think that's what that's what it was for me yeah i i think the consequences were great for, for a really long time there, you know, if, if you made a wrong move, Rob Stark, you die, right? Um, Ned Stark, you die. You know, a lot of these, you know, kind of more philosophical or, or, um, you know, kind of more inward, you know, noble characters, uh, got chopped because they weren't playing the game properly. And, that that was always the intriguing part about the series to me, even though I was kind of a late adopter to it, was that no matter what, the game was was the thing that mattered. You know, it was a, it was a show for a really long time about strategy, and obviously in the final season, strategy mattered a little less, and you know, um, spectacle mattered a little bit more. But you know, that that was the really intriguing part because a guy like Braun you know, who was my favorite character in the show can, can figure it out because he played the game, whereas Ned Stark couldn't, you know, so that that's a really interesting kind of dynamic. And I, I just know that there's not going to be anything like this for a long time. You know, there there are a a lot of people have said, because this show has been so great for so long that it's scaring off other showrunners to try and even attempt something like this because the world building was so vast you know, you had Danny and her whole story did not exist in Westeros until the beginning of season seven, you know, which is crazy. It, like the rest of the, the world that we knew was in a completely different place than where she was. And and I loved that, that, you know, eventually those two things had to kind of collide. Um, there, there's there's a lot of character stuff in there. Uh, I think the the overall, the wit, 
you know, especially the first six seasons, the wit and the and the and the one liners and the passion. Uh, we we got lines in the show that uh, you know that George wrote that are incredible. You know, um, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. An incredible line for the Starks, right? Who are just trying to survive, uh, and in the end they do. And I think that's super powerful. And I have that I have that sticker on my laptop, uh, which is is really cool. So I, I think the dialogue and a lot of the stuff that we found, you know, from the strategy perspective, was incredible. It's just a show, Dan. That I, I'm I'm really hoping to rewatch in five years and see how I feel about it. Yeah, it's going to be a series that you can go back to and watch either in full or watch individual episodes, um, whether it's the Reigns of Castamere, whether it's uh, the Battle of Blackwater, um, and I had the Seven Kingdoms, which we talked about. Like there, there's so many memorable episodes that took place and will be looked upon as examples for future showrunners. Whether it's the, you know, the next um, Tolkien uh, adaptation, whether it's the uh, Watchmen series that we're going to get on HBO. Um, there's a lot of what is going to be the next Game of Thrones, and it's going to be difficult to predict what it uh, what it is. I mean, the Wheel of Time series is going to be interesting, and that kind of launches on Amazon. Like, there's there's a couple of things out there that could capture the collective consciousness, but it's going to be, you know, you're you're now fighting the are you as good as Game of Thrones situation, Mike, and it's going to be a really hard initial uplift to be as good or better than that initially to get that same level of buy-in. Yeah, I mean, the, the rebound's going to be tough, right? Um, and, and, and we've seen a lot of people who are trying to say unsubscribe to HBO. I don't think the show writers handled it well, but, you know, when you're talking about we get Jesse Pinkman in Westworld 3, I'm freaking thrilled about that. You, you mentioned Watchmen. Uh, Contraband is going to be huge. His Dark Materials. I don't know if you guys are watching Chernobyl, but that that is an amazing show. Completely different than GOT, but oh, you know, it's crazy dude. Uh, it makes me wonder why we have <laughs> nuclear power. It's fucking frightening. Um, and then there's the spinoffs, which we haven't talked about. And and I know people are pissed off about the Night King, but from what I've read, um, one of the spinoffs will probably most likely be about the Night King, and hopefully, maybe that can at least give us some a bit of like who he was, why he did it, yada yada yada. So, um, I don't know. I think until it's gone, I think like I think you're right. In a year or two, we're going to realize what we lost, um, and we're going to be a little bit better with it. Um, but right now, it's, it's raw wound. All right, I'm going to ask you guys to do the impossible, and it's to pick your favorite scene or episode from the show to wrap this thing up. Uh, who wants to go first? Well, okay. Nick, you should go first. Yeah, yeah. I should I go like first? It. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Oh, oh man. Because this, so, is, this is your regular tactic, is that you <laughs> yes, throw it to somebody so that you have the time to think because we record in live time. We don't just, like, splice this shit together. And this you is what Brandon your... does every week. Think about that shit. <laughs> we always have to be on our toes. So yeah. you're saying there was brandception. Yeah, I was trying to to Brandon the broke off. Brandon the broken. Can I not um, get a better name? <laughs> let's yeah. see. I I think for for comedy's sake, uh, the pod sex scene from the second season <laughs> just absolutely destroyed me, 
and and I loved I loved the after. I loved Tyrion and Bronn sitting down with him uh, and doing that whole thing. I mean, the, you know, for for a serious moment, you know, I I really 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 enjoyed the fireside chat in in episode two of season eight. I thought that was epic and. It, it brought all the warm fuzzies back about how the show used to be written. Um, and obviously that culminates with uh, Sir Brienne of Tarth getting knighted. That was, that was pretty epic for me. That, that, that gave me a lot of warm fuzzies. Uh, Mike? Um, my funniest moment of the show had to be the giant milk. Um, <laughs> it's one of the most uncomfortable. I have not laughed that hard in a long time. And the crazy thing, you know, we were talking about character development. There was a time in which Tormund was he was freaking scary, man. Like and and now he's a bit of a clown, but what an amazing character. Um, you know, and I think the best moment for me, uh, it's gonna sound dumb, uh, was when Arya killed the Night King because I quite literally did not see I should have known being that there were three episodes that something was gonna happen. I didn't see it coming and the way it happened. I just um I just was yelling and like fist pumping and it was like kind of that those great moments so i and especially being that she was on my team it made it a little bit better um but yeah <laughs> of course it, it yeah. was just awesome yeah, of course. I, i'm rooting for it right yeah Dan? um man so i will say some of the probably the most memorable scenes i think the the knighting of brianne is definitely yeah. up there i think the beheading of Ned Stark in the first season, particularly for the people who had not read the books before and were watching it the first time to see, you know, a, a notable figure, right? Like they, you know, they, they see Sean Bean and they're like, oh, of course Sean Bean's going to be around for a while. Fuck no. Like you're about to Shane learn the lesson of Game dies. of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I would also add the, the red wedding uh, scene is probably Ugh. like is brutal but is one of the most memorable, like the, the build up into that scene is so exceptional. And then the, the turn on it, the element of music, the oh, yeah. complete dismay you feel at watching it happen. And then like at the end where Arya like comes in, like after it's all happened and it's like the, the way that they constructed that was, was quite exceptional. Um, yeah. John, John pummeling Ramsey Bolton uh, in the face repeatedly after winning Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. Incredibly mm-hmm. satisfying. Yep. Um, and then I, I have a kind of a wild card, which is John and Danny meeting for the first time and going through that argument and having Tyrion and Sir Davos kind of exchange barbs too. <laughs> I, this I is Jon Snow. Re- He's king of the north. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just perfect about who those two thought they were, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and and I loved I loved the beginning stages of that kind of relationship as it evolved, um, but you know all you know th- nothing lasts. That was uh, that was Varys's line, and and I I completely am on on board with that. So we've been we've been yammering along long enough. Uh, yeah. This this series and the season probably deserves a whole you know, 10 hour podcast epic. You can get that other places than the London is blue podcast. Uh, may I suggest the ringer binge mode? They, they love this thing even more than we do. Go listen to them. Uh, Dan, final thought. Well, what I will say is, uh, Westeros is blue, which is why that we're, why we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. While we're taking the time to talk about it. And yeah, I think we would love, you know, if you have, if you listen to all this, a plus for you, we appreciate Bravo. that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, is there any other kind of like, you know, there's a lot of content coming out, right? Like there's a lot of other shows or things that they're, you know, we probably are watching it. So if you're like, hey, we liked listening to you talk about Game of Thrones, here's a recommendation for another show you should watch. Uh, I know Mike has just gotten into The Expanse, which is exciting. That's a fun yep. one. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Nick has mentioned, uh, Mike has mentioned Chernobyl. But like, you know, we, we enjoy talking about that too. Like we're just not, you know. Uh, we don't stay in our lane um, as it relates to just you know football and Chelsea. So we're happy to talk about other things. And if you're li- if you're willing to listen, we're happy to talk about it. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, we hope to find something that we love as much as this show. And um, yeah, I think I think our watch has ended. Let's uh, let's bounce. <laughs>